Well, my name is Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here at Spring Valley, and I got a question for you. Who likes to go to the dentist? Raise your hand. Trick question. No. Oh, I saw one back there. No one really likes to go to the dentist, right? Because here's the truth. You probably don't floss like you should, and flossing for like two minutes before you go to the dentist doesn't fool the dentist when you go there, right? The dentist is like, hmm, looks like you haven't been flossing. You're like, no one can put one over on you, buddy. No, I mean, you, you know, it's just not fun. Like, there's not good feelings associated with the dentist. And yet, you need to go to the dentist, right? It's, it's good for your teeth. That's, that's how you stay healthy. Uh, I've had some great experiences at the dentist and then some not-so-great experiences at the dentist. And uh, one of my not-so-great experiences actually didn't have that much to do with the dentist. So, uh, I brush and floss, and my wife just brushes, and for some reason she never gets a cavity, and I tend to get cavities. And so I had a cavity one time, and I sat back in the dentist chair, and not that dentists are liars, but don't they just say, don't they lie to you a little bit? They're like, you know what, they have this large needle of Novocaine, maybe it's not that big, like this big, and they're like, it's not going to hurt just a pinch. No, it hurts you. But they're like, oh, no, it doesn't hurt. So I got stabbed in the mouth by a dentist, so that was good. And then when he did my cavity, right, my mouth was numb and I couldn't feel any pain, and so that was great. And we were in Albany, New York, because my wife's mom used to work for a dentist. And her parents thought it would be a great idea to go to this amazing Chinese buffet before we left, which we went there about 10 minutes after my dentist appointment. So... It was an amazing experience because I was just sitting there like this. You guys ever felt like your face, it's like 10,000 times bigger over here than here. And when you're chewing on food, you bite your lip all the time, right? Because you can't feel anything. And so, I mean, I was just so enjoying watching Angela and her parents eat crab legs and egg rolls and just all this amazing food. And I had some egg drop soup. And it was awesome. Uh, actually, halfway through the meal, I went to the car and went to sleep because... It was the worst idea. Listen, Novocaine, it does its job, right? It numbs your mouth, it stops the pain, but then you have these side effects, right? You can't feel anything for four hours. There's all these issues. Kind of any medication you take, there's side effects. So I don't know if you, you watch commercials on TV, um, but every prescription drug, everything that they're out there that they want you to order, you know, there's people petting sheep and having a great time playing in the park and then at the end there's this one part and they start telling you the side effects so let's just say you have allergies right and there's some medicine that has the word allergy in it somehow like allergics and then they tell you but here's the side effects right bloating leg cramps potential blindness death and you're like what why would I take this medication if it might cause these things to happen like, do I want to have, uh, like, a runny nose, or do I want to be blind? I don't know. <laughs> so every time you take a medication, every time you look, you have to say, are the side effects worth it? See, but that's actually a question that we as followers of Jesus should be asking. Is it worth it? Right, because I want to let you know that we've been going through a series called Hashtag Blessed, where we look at the difference between what the world says is blessed and what God says is blessed. And what we're going to find out today is that there's actually side effects of being blessed. Okay, so Jesus says we're supposed to be poor in spirit and meek and pure in heart. But the last beatitude, he actually tells us the side effect 
of being blessed is persecution. So persecution is the side effect of being blessed. And so the question we have to ask ourselves this morning is, is it worth it? Is it worth it to be blessed? And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So before we dive into our text, I want to pray for us. Pray that God would speak to us. Let's pray together. God, we're grateful to be here this morning. I thank you that this place is a place that can help us center on you and and see you for who you really are. God, I pray you would change our hearts this morning. That you would help us to think rightly and focus our lives on you. Uh, God, I know not everyone in here is following you, and so I pray that you would lead all of us to you. And especially those who don't know you yet, God, I pray you would make yourself real and known. Uh, Help us as we talk over the next few minutes to understand what you want to say and to know how you want us to respond. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you in your name. Amen. So if we're going to answer this question, is it worth it, we actually need to talk about a few other questions to help us understand persecution. And so the first question we're going to ask this morning is, why are we persecuted? Maybe you didn't know you're persecuted, but, but let's read this. Matthew chapter 5, this is the, the last beatitude in the, in the series. It says this, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. So when we're reading the Bible, we notice certain things. And in this passage, we notice Jesus says, Blessed are those who are persecuted. And then he says it again. He said, blessed are you when people insult you. So when Jesus says something twice, that means we need to pay attention to it, right? So Jesus is kind of helping us see that we are going to be persecuted. But why? Because if I think about what a follower of Jesus should should do, right? We should be good to people, we should love people, we should serve them, we should help the poor, right? We we should care about people no one else cares about. Like, we're helping society out, so why would people persecute that? See, I think the key in our passage is we're not persecuted because of what we do, but we're persecuted because of who we are. See, notice what Jesus said there. He said, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, Righteousness is kind of another way to say, blessed are you because you obey Jesus. That's what righteousness is about. And then he said in verse 11, in the next verse, he said, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of things of evil against you because of me. See, the truth is we aren't being persecuted because of what we do, but because of who we are. And if you're a follower of Jesus, that means you're like Jesus. And you know what? Jesus' way and Jesus' path are kind of the opposite of the rest of the world. Here's why persecution happens. It happens when two value systems that are at odds with each other come together and clash. And so Jesus knew when he came that we were going to be persecuted, right? In Matthew 10, verse 22, he tells his disciples this. He said, you will be hated because of me. So that's why we're persecuted, because we're like Jesus. And here's the truth. Jesus came to redeem humanity, to kind of show everyone how to get to God. And you would think that's good. 
But the reason we get persecuted is because everyone's going after a different God. And I would say most of the time, it's ourselves. Right? The God we worship the most is us. It's our comfort, our pleasure, our security, our best. And Jesus is saying, guess what? That's not best. I'm what's best. You know what? Actually, in this beatitude, right? It says, Blessed are the persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of God. The very first beatitude starts off with that same promise. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. I actually think every part of the beatitudes, every part of what we've talked about living a blessed life, will get you persecuted. So we're near the end of our series, so we'll just review them in case you've forgotten. The first one is this, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. See, I think if you're poor in spirit, you know that you're a spiritual beggar. And so you start seeking out Jesus. And you start looking for God's love. And what ends up happening is you become so spiritually minded that you really start to show how other people aren't spiritually minded. And that'll get you persecuted. How about the second one? Blessed are those who mourn. Right? When you realize what you've done is grievous and worth being sad over, your attitude starts to bring light to the things that you've done that are wrong and that other people have done that are wrong. And no one likes to think they're wrong. And so that gets us persecuted. The third beatitude, blessed are the meek. That's when you say you're totally dependent on God. Right? And, and that actually says, I can't do anything good myself. It's only Him. And so it starts to show up pride and self-righteousness in other people. And you might get persecuted for that. How about blessed are, are you when you hunger and thirst for righteousness? It's a little bit like poor in spirit. You're so hungry for God that, that people might actually start looking at you as a fool. Because they're saying you're looking at something that can't satisfy you. I know it satisfies me. That can't satisfy you. And maybe they start persecuting you. How about blessed are the merciful? Right when you show compassion and mercy, you actually make people's lack of care. You bring that into the light. And so now they're not feeling quite as good about themselves. How about blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. See your pure living will cause other people to see their own corruption and faults in their life. See, it's interesting. When people start to feel guilty, they kind of want to push away the thing that makes them feel guilty. How about the last one? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. See, we live in a world that's full of antagonism and contempt for one another. And if you want to help bring peace, we talked about this last week, when you want to help bring peace to someone, that means that you have to confront the evil in yourself and in others. And no one wants to be confronted. And so if you really try to live the blessed life like Jesus says we should, you're going to be persecuted. Here's what happens with Christianity. Christianity, following Jesus, is actually the most inclusive religion and the most exclusive religion out of all of them. It's inclusive because every single person can come to know Jesus no matter who they are, where they've been, what they've done, all of them are invited into God's family. Right? So there's not any pre-qualifications to come to Jesus. And so if you're here today and you're not following Jesus yet, he's inviting you to be in his family. And yet it's the most exclusive religion because it says this, there's only one way to get to God, and it's through Jesus. And those aren't my words, those are Jesus' words, right? And so then other people start to think, 
well, you think you're right and no one else could be right. And I'd say, in some way, that's true. But see, it's not because I want to be right and I want you to be wrong. That's what the world thinks. They think we're being arrogant when we say there's only one way. But the truth is, we're telling them there's only one way because we want them to join in with us. It's not out of pride, it's out of love. But in our society, if we don't say everyone's okay together, we start to get persecuted. But guys, realize what Jesus is saying here is he wants everyone to come to himself. But if you tell people that, you're going to get persecuted. Now, being persecuted doesn't mean you're blessed. Right? Because you could be persecuted for a lot of different things. You could be persecuted for your political party or your political viewpoints. You'd be persecuted because you did something that wasn't very smart. You'd be persecuted because you're a gossip or you talk about people behind their back. You could be persecuted because you wear a Fitbit and a watch at the same time. That may or may not be a reference to a sermon a couple weeks ago. I'm still trying to recover, but I'm okay. No, there's lots of things you could be persecuted from. But Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted because you're like Jesus. Because you're like him. That's when he says you're blessed. I was reading an article this week um, about our vice president, Mike Pence. And he said this, this thing on Twitter, I think, or I don't know exactly where he said it, but he said, I never dine out a re- on a restaurant alone with another woman other than my wife. And I thought, yeah, me too, man. Like, it just helps put some safeguards in place. Not saying I'm going to do anything, but it just stops the temptation. But I read an article that kind of was making fun of him for doing this. And at the end of the article, there were 1,058 comments. Almost all of the comments, I didn't read all 1,058, but almost all of them that I did read were condemning Mike Pence for that. They were making fun of him for his Christianity. They were making fun of him for saying he can't control himself. He didn't say that. He's trying to be like Jesus and be righteous and try to live for Jesus. And yet, over 1,050 times, someone decided to tell him, that he was wrong, and they were persecuting. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, you will be persecuted, not because you're looking for persecution, but because you're trying to be like Jesus, and he's the opposite of this world. So now that we know why we're being persecuted, here's the question. How are we being persecuted? How are you being persecuted? Let's read in verse 11. It says, Blessed are you when people insult you, And persecute you falsely and say all kinds of evil against you because of me. See this word persecuted also found in verse 10. It means this. It means to be uh, chased or pursued or harassed. Okay, so basically just think of someone pursuing you. Just kind of getting on your case all the time. That's what it kind of means to be persecuted. In verse 11 he says you're going to be insulted. And people are going to say all kinds of things falsely about you. That doesn't sound fun. But Jesus said that's actually what's going to happen. I love it in verse 11. He actually stops just talking to people in general. And he starts talking to his disciples. And he said, just so you know. He said, this is what's going to happen. You're going to be persecuted, insulted. People are going to talk about you behind your back. So 
Since the age of 14, uh, I, did, I worked for a catering company, okay? And so I catered for about nine years there. And catering can be busy for the most part, right? Except after everyone kind of eats their meal and then they're dancing for three hours. And you're kind of like, what should we do now? And so, like most people, we just sat there and we talked. And lots of different uh, subjects came up and ideas came up. But I don't know why, but often the, the idea of sex would come up. And we would start talking about it. And I would tell people, I'd say, hey, you know what? I'm actually waiting till I get married to have sex. And they're like, you're a virgin? And I'm like, yeah. And so that would actually catch them off guard, right? And they'd be like, what? Oh, okay. And then I would slowly start to hear people give me a hard time or make fun of me or tell me I didn't know what I was missing out on. And that would kind of just happen over and over again as I worked with new people and told them that. There would kind of just be this cycle, kind of just face maybe just a little bit of persecution for that. It's just, listen, what am I trying to do? I'm trying to follow Jesus. And yet, since his ways are opposite of the world's ways, kind of the edges are going to get knocked off. There's going to be some rubbing. There's going to be some persecution. It's kind of like this. I used this illustration earlier in the year, but, but I love it. Okay? Let's say you're a Dallas Cowboys fan. I hope none of you are. But if you were a Dallas Cowboys fan, and you walk through the parking lot of an Eagles game, you know for sure that you're going to be called names. People are going to use foul language around you. You might get something thrown at you. You might even get punched in the face, right? I don't know. So, so just know, as a follower of Jesus, you're going to get persecuted. As a Dallas Cowboys fan, you're going to get persecuted if you, if you wear your jersey through the Eagles parking lot. Now, Pastor Tyler is our children's pastor. And he is awesome, guys. He does a great job with your kids. He helps lead our teams so that kids can know Jesus. And then my biggest issue with Pastor Tyler is that he is a Cowboys fan. Okay, now somehow last year he acquired tickets to an Eagles game by winning a drawing. It wasn't even an Eagles-Cowboys game. It was just an Eagles game. So Pastor Tyler went to the Eagles game. But you know what he didn't do? He didn't wear his Cowboys jersey. Does that make him not a true Cowboys fan? I don't know. We'll talk about that in a minute. But he didn't wear his Cowboys jersey. He, he went to the game. He enjoyed himself. And, and when I asked him afterwards, hey, did you wear your Cowboys stuff? He said, no. I said, well, why not? And he said, well, because when we were walking through the parking lot, people would call us names. People would spit at us. People would throw stuff at us. He said, I wanted my time to be nice. I wanted to enjoy the game. And I said, oh. You know what hit me at that point? Tyler values his comfort, his enjoyment, having a good time, lights. <laughs> no, so Ty Tyler values all of those things more than he does telling people about the Dallas Cowboys, right? Or showing his fandom of the Dallas Cowboys. Put it another way, Tyler loves himself, his wife, his comfort more than he loves the Dallas Cowboys and light. <laughs> no, he, he, he loves them more. And so my question for you, I wonder, have you ever been guilty of that? 
not of being a Dallas Cowboys fan. I think that's a sin in the Bible, right? It's almost the unforgivable sin, but not quite. No, have you ever been guilty of being kind of an undercover Christian? Like you don't want to wear your jersey out there. You don't want to let people know because, honestly, you don't want to rock the boat. Right, like you're a Christian at home. You're a Christian when you come here on Sunday mornings. But other than that, no, you're kind of just there. Maybe some people know you go to church. But you know what? Laugh at the same jokes. Watch the same shows. Kind of do everything that's about the same. You don't want to invite anybody to church because, well, that might make them feel uncomfortable because they don't go to church. See, what I think we can fall into, and sometimes I fall into, is that we're more worried about people's approval than Jesus' approval. That we actually fall in love with being liked by people. Or maybe we're so in love with our own comfort that we don't want to get out of that. Because listen, I'm not just pointing my finger at you and saying, you guys are doing this. I'm saying for me. I'm saying there's been times in my neighborhood when I might have had the opportunity to share the gospel with my neighbor, but I thought, you know what? I'm not sure I want our relationship to look like this. I'm not sure I want him to be awkward around me. What if I tell him about Jesus and he doesn't want to follow Jesus? What, if, what about for you? What if your coworkers? What if they didn't just know you go to church, but they are passionate about Jesus? How might that change your relationship? See, insults, persecution, people saying all kinds of things falsely about you. See, they will come if you're following Jesus. They definitely will. Because listen, people are lost and they need Jesus and Jesus called us to be a part of that. But you can avoid it though, guys. You can avoid it. You can avoid persecution by just kind of covering up your jersey Covering up all the things, kind of just being part of the crowd, being there. But Jesus says, guess what? If you want to follow me, this is part of the deal. All right, so now we, we've, we've said, why are we being persecuted? How are we persecuted? And I know the question that you're asking is, so what's our response? I love it when you guys ask questions that I'm going to answer. That's amazing. So what's our response to being persecuted? Well, he tells us right here in verse 12. He says this, Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I'm just going gonna, gonna to say it again, because I'm not sure if we got to. Rejoice and be glad. Here's what Jesus is actually doing. He's commanding us to rejoice and be glad. This word be glad, it actually means to like jump up and down and get excited, which no one does unless they're at a sporting event, right? But that's what he's telling us to do. He's saying rejoice and be glad. Now, but wait a minute. Is he really telling us to rejoice and be glad about the insults and the persecution and people saying things falsely about us? No. He's not telling us to be excited that people are insulting you. You're not saying, hey honey, break out the best bottle of sparkling cider, I'm coming home. 
My boss just insulted me and told me I was a fool. Let's celebrate. No. Jesus isn't saying celebrate about people making fun of you or giving you a hard time. What Jesus is saying is celebrate because this means something for you. Right? He, he actually says there's two reasons to celebrate. Here's the first one. Because great is your reward in heaven. Jesus says you're not living for this life. You're living for the next one. How faithful you are and how you seek God somehow is going to give us rewards in heaven. We don't get like a full picture of what that means. So I, sorry, I wish I could explain it better. I don't know. But there's something about when we're in heaven, when we're with God, when we're with Jesus, there's rewards there. Jesus actually says in, in chapter 6, in the next chapter, he says, listen, don't store up for yourselves treasures here on earth that, that thieves steal and moth and rust destroy, but, but build up treasures in heaven, like build your spiritual bank account. What he's getting at is probably when you're persecuted, it's probably a good sign that you're, that you're doing well, that you're trying to be like Jesus. And then he says, secondly, he says, Guess what? In the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The prophets, he's talking about prophets in the Old Testament. These guys literally spoke the words of God to the people of Israel. And what happened? They got insulted. They got persecuted. Some of them were even killed, even though they were speaking the words of God, right? So he said, guess what? You're in good company if you're being persecuted. Listen, Jesus doesn't tell us, get excited because someone's insulting you. He says, get excited because of what that means in your life. So the disciples, they kind of understood this. In the book of Acts, which is, which is kind of the history of the early church in chapter 5, this was after Jesus died on the cross, rose again. The disciples were in front of the religious people, and they were preaching and sharing about Jesus. And man, the religious leaders just kind of came, took them to jail, put them in prison, beat them, and then some other things happened during the nighttime. It's kind of a long story. But in the morning, they're out there before the religious leaders, and the religious leaders say this. They say, stop talking about Jesus. And they said, we can't. And they said, if you don't stop, something worse is going to happen. And here's what I love. In Acts chapter 5, verses 41, here's what the apostles did. It said the apostles left the Sanhedrin, the religious council, rejoicing because they can counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. They rejoiced. They got excited. See, the apostles, they had a different perspective on life. They weren't saying like some people say today, hey, if you have God, he'll make it so that you have your best life now. Listen, God isn't some kind of enhancement that you put on your life to make your life so much better. See, I think Jesus will make your life better. God will make your life better, but not in the way that the world says is blessed. In the way that he says is blessed. See, they had a perspective that they weren't living for now, they were living for heaven. The Apostle Paul, he wrote a, a, a letter to the Romans and when we look in, in chapter 8, verses 18, here's what Paul said. And we're going to see his perspective. He said, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing the glory that will be revealed in us. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. See, Paul knew that sufferings were a part of following Jesus. 
but that they were nothing in comparison of what was going to come in the future. See, having the right perspective, that'll change the way that you respond to persecution, to insults. See, we've already looked in the Beatitudes, man. If we were like Jesus, we're not going to respond to an insult with another insult. We respond by loving and praying and caring for them. But first, we have to have the right perspective. There's a preacher in the late 300s named John Chrysostom. And he was summoned before the Roman Emperor Arcadius. And this emperor threatened him with banishment. He said, I'm going to banish you from here. And here's what John said. He said, you cannot banish me for the world is my father's house. Then I will slay you, exclaimed the emperor wrathfully. No, but you cannot, for my life is hidden with Christ in God. Your treasures will be confiscated, he said with a grim reply. That, sir, cannot be. My treasures are in heaven as my heart is there. But I will drive you from men and you shall have no friends left. That you cannot do either, sir. For I have a friend in heaven who has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. If we're going to even think about rejoicing and being glad that this is happening, see, we need God to change our perspective. Because at the end of this, we need to ask the question, is it worth it? Are the side effects of living a blessed life worth it? Is it worth it to be insulted and persecuted because you have a faith? Jesus thought so. Maybe you don't know, but when Jesus came down to earth, he was insulted by people. They called him all sorts of names. He was persecuted. He was harassed. People said things that weren't true about him to make him look bad. I think about this whole blessed concept. Jesus was blessed to death. When he led himself on the cross, he said, I know I'm facing persecution, but it's worth it. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. I love this. It gives us a little insight to what Jesus was thinking. It says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I love that. It says, for the joy set before him. Do you know what that joy was? That was that you and I, who don't deserve to be with God, get to now be part of God's family. That was the joy that Jesus had. And he said, you know what? It's worth it. And so that's the question for us this morning. What will you say when you're asked, is it worth it? Is it worth it to have to face the side effects of living for Christ? Or is it worth it to say, you know, I'm going to follow Jesus, but I'm not really going to tell anyone. I'm just going to kind of keep everything covered up. Just not rock the boat. Maybe the question some of us are asking is not, why am I being persecuted? But maybe we should be asking, why am I not being persecuted? So that's a question that 
that at times we need to ask ourselves, are we being representatives of Christ? Because if we are, then you're going to face the side effect. Other people have asked themselves this question, is it worth it? And man, if you're a follower of Jesus today, someone asked themselves the question and said yes, because they told you about Jesus. Or they invited you to church, right? Or they told your parents about Jesus. And then they told you about Jesus. Someone said you're worth it, because when we ask, is it worth it? We're not just asking, is it worth it for me to feel a little bit of pain? We're asking the question, is it worth it for those people to not have to go to hell and come to know Jesus? That's what we're asking when we're saying, is it worth it? If you're in here and you don't know Jesus, I know a lot of people have thought this way. Said, you know what, Andrew, that sounds great that Jesus did that, but I'm not worth it. God would say that's not true. And you'd say, it's, you're not worth it because you've done something good or bad. He'd say, because Jesus came, you can have a relationship with him. He said, I can love you like a child. And if you want to say, I want to be part of God's family today, I've been longing for it. It's something that I've wanted to do, but I just didn't know how. Today is that day for you. Today is the day where you can just simply pray and say, God, I want to be part of your family. I ask you, Jesus, to be the leader of my life, to forgive me of my sins, and to help me follow you the best I know how. See, today is the day where you can go from death to life. There'll be people up here that you can come pray with if you want to make that decision. You can check in on the back of your orange card, let us know that. But for the rest of us, I want us just to leave thinking, and is it worth it? What would I do if I wasn't afraid of how it would make people feel or think? So this morning, I'm going to pray. I'm going to end our service. I'm going to ask our prayer partners to come up this morning. On the back of your orange card for everyone else, there's a box that there's some things you can do. But one of them says, I will invite a friend to come with me to Easter at Spring Valley. See, maybe inviting someone to Spring Valley for Easter, maybe it'll get you persecuted. But maybe it'll change someone's life forever. So I'm going to pray. Ah, take those postcards with you. Drop your orange cards in the bucket on the way out. And have a great day. God, I thank you for allowing us to spend time together to look at your word, God. To see that being blessed isn't necessarily what it looks like in the world's eyes to be blessed but it's worth it change our hearts and change our perspectives so they're more like you today we love you and we thank you in your name Jesus amen